0: Hello and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Okay, so welcome to today's episode of Leading Inspired Learning podcast. Today we welcome Jenny Britt from the YMCA. She is the outdoor play specialist. Jenny joins us from 38 and a half weeks pregnant she is about to leave on that leave with her second bundle of joy i'll make so,
1: podcast history if i go into labor during oh my god this. imagine it'll be your most i'll deliver your episode.
0: baby that's fine <laughs> I'm, I'm here for that i'm here for that that'd be awesome um yeah so we we are cozy here um as comfortable as i can keep her while we record this episode and jenny and i actually go way back we shared an office. We did. Oh God, what was that eight years ago now? No. Yeah, seven, eight years ago, something must, like that. Must be. Um, so yeah, really one of my first like leadership professional work friends, fre- work yeah. friends That's to real friends, exactly.
1: We um, got a lot of really important things done during those times. Always, <laughs> those
0: times. always important things done. Um, mm-hmm. Jenny also sits on our professional learning committee, with Strive. And she supports the outdoor play community of practice.
1: Everyone should join who is listening. We're always looking for new members.
0: And we'll we'll also link the next outdoor play COP in our bio oh. our description of there this podcast. Go. Okay. So Jenny, you weren't always an outdoor play specialist at the Y. You have been in numerous roles yes. there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but this role for quite a few years now.
1: Yeah, I think just over since 2018. So just coming on five years of my math. Well, I was on mat leave for one of them. Right. Yes. So uh, with my first. So yeah, I was sco- a school age director before that and then transitioned into this role when we began our project. So,
0: And it was really on the cusp <clears throat> of when the topics of outdoor play, risky play, the importance of that really came onto the scene in the world of early childhood education.
1: Yeah. So Canada has been kind of amping up their research and advocacy towards outdoor play for a while now. But really, it was when um, an organization called Participation Canada mm-hmm. um, launched their report card uh, and highlighted kind of deficits surrounding outdoor play and, and active play in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the Lawson Foundation put out a proposal for within Canada and essentially was looking for people to um, who could really contribute to enhancing children's experiences on a variety of different uh, platforms in response to this participation report Mm -hmm. card. Uh, So the Y put forward a proposal uh, and we were fortunately accepted. And that was back actually in 2016. So before I officially became on on board. Uh, and with that partnership with the Lawson F- Foundation, we piloted uh, a curriculum training and mm-hmm. um, some environmental changes within four of our locations and really just looked pre and post, you know, how children's experiences, educators' experiences changed um, with this curriculum training all around the importance of outdoor play. Mm-hmm. And so removing are some of our large structures, focusing right. more on natural elements, low level elements, loose parts. Uh, And we had a really, really amazing response to that through our research, um, looking at how educators' minds and values shifted Mm -hmm. in response to that training and, and again, those environmental changes as well. Uh, And then so we were fortunate enough to work later on with Ontario Trillium Foundation, and that's when I came on board, and then um, the Lawson Foundation again. So we've had a a number of active supporters and Mm -hmm. and very generous partners yeah, yeah, to be able to expand our work. So... Now we have taken our training and uh, are bringing it nationally across Canada. So it's very, very wow. exciting. Yeah. yeah.
0: So all the Ys across Canada will be privy to this curriculum. Yeah, so
1: part of our current rollout right now is, is offering training for all YMCA childcare educators yeah. as part of kind of their orientation process. Nice. And then, yeah, we're hoping in the next phase to be able to bring it out into the community as well. So beyond the walls of the Y. Which we're here for. Yes. We <laughs> want to make sure the research is good first yeah, before go. we say, hey, come perfect. check this out. Use your own people for guinea yeah, pigs. Yeah, exactly. And it Trial and error. Them. And then, you know, once we've really perfected it, not that there is a thing with yeah. anything related to... There's nothing
0: perfect. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or especially, you know, in a field like early learning where things change overnight Constantly. and there's yeah. new research. But um, yeah. but yeah, we're really excited at the ripple effect that it's had even mm-hmm. so far on a small scale. But yeah, we're, we're excited.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what were the biggest findings initially with the pilot launch? What Specifically for educators, what, yeah. what
1: was the shift for them? I think the biggest aha moments for them was really kind of owning and understanding that they, and not necessarily, you know, them in particular, right. but adults in general are probably the biggest barrier Mm -hmm. to children getting outdoors. Um, I feel that in my bones. Yes. I hate (laughs) the outdoors. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, children are not, you know, born to see rainy days as disappointments or, you know, have negative adverse reactions to different types of weather, for example, or going outside. So understanding that, you know, educators really have the power in providing those opportunities Mm. for for children, especially in childcare years. Her early years uh, was a big aha moment. Yeah. So, that translation of theory to practice, you yeah. know, everyone un- understands that outdoor play is important yeah, for children, for sure. but the real test comes, you know, when it's negative 10 outside or negative 20 or it's pouring rain. And, yeah. you know, where is your commitment then? Mm-hmm. So, we know that our commitment to outdoors doesn't change depending on the weather, depending on the circumstance.
0: There's no bad clothes, only bad, or no bad exactly. weather, only bad clothes. Is that And the... I mean, I'm not
1: talking like hurricane, like lightning <laughs> storm, but... Dangerous. No. Yeah. We do live in Canada where not every day is sunny and 26. No. So it's about that modeling and, and understanding of children pick up on everything. Yes. So how are we talking about going outside? How are we teaching them resiliency, responsible dress, things like that mm-hmm. was probably our biggest kind of battle to get, or not even battle, the biggest barrier. Barrier, yeah. Um, And getting them to understand, you know, how their values really show up Mm -hmm. uh, in outdoor play in response to their work with young children. So that's why we really focused a lot of our conversation uh, and our work on educators. Again, we know children like to play outside. We don't need to research that. (laughs) Um, What we really wanted to look at and and continue to look at is what makes educators have those aha moments or what changes their practice so Mm -hmm. that... You know, they they have that ongoing commitment to getting children outside sure. as a priority. Because
0: I don't think we would come across an educator in all of London Middlesex that would say outdoors is bad for children. Exactly, We wouldn't find that. No. But it's a different thing. You're right. When When the weather is not ideal, mm-hmm. when it takes a lot of effort and sweat, I remember yeah. getting eight preschoolers dressed for the outdoors Absolutely. it's hard work
1: mm-hmm. and especially when you don't have the memories to be able to draw back on like mm. for example I grew up you know where I was sent outside regardless yeah. um you know whether it was for my health or just to get me out of the house is <laughs> a different story you can ask my parents yeah but um you know we were sent outside to play until mm-hmm. the streetlights came on and that was just a part of our regular growing up mm-hmm. and a lot of people depending on you know where they come from or what they're their experiences, what their family dynamics Mm -hmm. are, they might not share that. So how can we ask them to value outdoor play when they don't necessarily have those experiences to draw back on? Interesting. So that's also been kind of another, again, I don't really want to call it a barrier because it doesn't necessarily have to be a barrier, but another great conversation to have when you're training mass amounts of of staff or or having these conversations.
0: Well, and not all of our educators have lived in Canada their whole life and Mm -hmm. might not necessarily have experienced the winters that I have since I was born here. Absolutely, I remember following in my dad's footsteps in the backyard in the yeah. snow, and it was up to my waist. Mm-hmm. Um, following in his bootsteps because that's the only place you could walk through yeah, the snow. But absolutely, a newcomer into Canada who's an educator or a family mm-hmm. with children doesn't a kid doesn't have those experiences to draw on.
1: Yeah, so we've really tried to you know set both staff and families up for success. Mm -hmm. we have handouts for new staff that show you know here's typically what we encourage you to have Mm -hmm. during the different seasons uh you know for families sending out constant reminders about it's getting colder Uh, so really trying to set them up for success so that you know again when it does start snowing they're not oh god goodness why are why are they going outside or and dispelling some of those myths i remember when i was a preschool educator um a
0: family came and said oh um, she can't go outside when it's raining because she'll get sick. Yeah. And so dispelling some of those those myths or different inherited um, ideologies around weather and health exactly. um and and proving that, actually getting outside is beneficial to the health of the children.
1: And again, strengthening those relationships with families as well, right. because the more conversations that you have, the more, you know, learning, reciprocal learning you have from both sides. Yeah. You know, what are their experiences? What can they bring? Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, one of the benefits of, of being in child care. You know, it's not like a school where people are coming regardless. Yeah. You know, you can have that those conversations during registration right here's our philosophy here's you know we love outdoor play Mm -hmm. start tours in the outdoor spaces Mm -hmm. so that again parents they feel set up for success they know the expectations yeah yeah Uh, you can have those initial conversations right off the bat
0: and is there i know there's a lot of initiatives within the community but additional supports for educators to reach out when perhaps families can't necessarily afford some of the outdoor clothing required
1: yeah so we've been very fortunate again because we have received some grant funding Mm -hmm. um so our organization specifically was able to invest in mud suits for example for all of our licensed spaces which has removed a lot of that barrier because especially with rain it's and it's very difficult like I I can sympathize you know as a parent myself you have you typically have one snowsuit you know if if that gets soaked or muddy or you know in the first half of the day what's that child expected to do in the afternoon or the next day if you don't have time to wash, you know, or or don't have the means to constantly be doing laundry. So I, we completely sympathize with that. So we have been fortunate enough to purchase center rain suits that just goes, go right on top. top, So again, removes that barrier. There's also a lot of Creative ways that centers have, you know, built up lost and found mm-hmm. for you know additional clothing purposes. Um, you know, raised money through other methods. Yeah. Um, to accept a donation. Exactly. Yeah, families. to purchase extra yep. boots or hats yep. or mitts. So again, forward thinking about yep. okay, winter's coming up. How can my center support outdoor play for yeah. the children and families? And yeah, you know, it's certainly not isolated to particular centers or particular areas sure. you know all centers struggle with this yeah. all centers you know that are are playing outside in the mud will, will face this obstacle at some point mm-hmm. so really making it a part of your regular practice like yeah. similar to craft supplies you know when you see craft supplies running sure. low you think ahead yeah. and and or plan to purchase more um so making sure that outdoor materials are, are treated the same mm-hmm. I can sympathize my back seat is covered in mud. Yeah. Because picking up <laughs> Mac from child care We've yesterday, You've had a his great winter for that. Yeah.
0: Just caked.
1: Yeah. we had a caked. lovely up and down winter for keeping parents on their toes.
0: But <laughs> I also know that TANDY through yes. the Outdoor Play Community of Practice um, and the Outdoor Play group has done a lot of research on community resources for um Clothing or materials, yep. donations, places where families can go to, to uh, get some of that stuff too. So that's also a great resource.
1: Yeah. Honestly, the more we can have is great for both advocacy of outdoor play. You know, the more people see initiatives for gaining more material gets there or, or uh, clothing, clothing gets yeah. there, wheels turning about, okay, what do I mm-hmm. have at home? Or yeah, the more visible these conversations, these topics can mm-hmm. be within the community, then you know, only for the better.
0: Yeah. And we know, too, I mean, the ministry requires all licensed care centers to provide two hours a day outside. But I know, and I will be the first to admit as a preschool educator, I considered that the 15 minutes it took to get the children dressed, part of that outdoor time. Oh, and
1: you are not alone.
0: (laughs) I'm sure I'm not alone. Yeah. Because uh, outdoor play was not one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I can fully admit that I didn't love getting outdoors. I still struggle with it with my son. Are these programs encouraged to not just stick to these minimum requirements? Because I know a lot of like shifts can affect yep. outdoor play time, depending on the group sizes in the yards yep. for licensing that can affect. Gr- so how Racial do you navigate autism. some of those barriers? Or how do you support educators to navigate some of those barriers?
1: Well, the really interesting thing now, because our work is national, that time parameter his- is not shared across Canada. So oh, there are a number of provinces that have a recommendation, but it's not a requirement hmm. um, or it's a much lower requirement. So that has been, again, really interesting having yeah. conversations, you know, thinking that, okay, two hours is the bare minimum right. where, you know, in other provinces that's a a huge goal or will be a huge shift for for educators. So we're trying not to get stuck on the timing. Okay, You know, it's more about what, how you're treating the outdoors because Mm. say an educator or a parent, you know, goes outside for two hours and they spend the entire time, you know, with their hands in their pocket, kind of patrolling Mm -hmm. the yard. You know, how is that different from... A half hour engaged in inquiry, looking at you know a butterfly on a tree, mm-hmm. you know having great conversations with children. I would take that half an hour right. versus. Quality I mean, again, depending quantity. Exactly, exactly. Obviously, we want children to get outside mm-hmm. for as much time as possible. But what is actually happening in the outdoors is much more important in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, how we're treating the outdoor time. And, and like you mentioned before, the educator's attitude going into it. If you're yeah. like, oh, we
0: have to do this because we're required by ministry. Exactly. And, you know, you're huffing and hawing the whole way, getting out there. That's going to
1: result in a less meaningful time outside for the children. Yeah. Yeah. When we first started, you know, educators, there was a, 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 some responses. Well, you know, I'm just constantly putting out fires outside. Right. Or the children are always asking uh, to come back inside or, you know, upset because it's cold. And so we always kind of push back and say, okay, well, what are you doing outside? Yeah. You know, what, it's the same as the indoors, you know, when you have things like behaviors or, you -hmm. know, if you're feeling like it's a high stress day, maybe, you know, what, how are you changing your programming or your interactions with them so that they are so engaged, they don't have time to (laughs)
0: have conflicts or, or (laughs) yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And again, you know, sometimes we have to fake it till we make it with, with our opinions about the outdoors. You know, it's not about us. And we can have a love-hate relationship with winter, for mm-hmm. example. But the second we walk into work, you know, we have to become performers or yeah. or actors yep. or actresses, you know. And we love it's, winter. <laughs> exactly. It's not, it's not about us. Right. It's about the children.
0: And we all know
1: the benefits for children. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Many children spend more awake hours in childcare than mm-hmm. with us than they sometimes do at home, mm-hmm. like during the week. Yeah. So how are we teaching children again to... View the outdoors mm-hmm. to engage with it, to interact with it. So yeah. it's a tough job. I'm not, oh yeah, you know, denying that it takes work and to work at it every day. But again, we chose this career path for yeah. for a reason, and mm-hmm. this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there are definitely some outdoor
0: play champions and enthusiasts Absolutely. in every center out there mm-hmm. who are like, yes, give me the mud, give me the snow, yeah. give me the whatever and if you can channel some of that energy mm-hmm. into yourself cuz if you're like me and yeah. are not
1: a huge fan of it <laughs> well and really it's like we've also heard a lot of you know my job's gotten easier since i mm. embraced this you know um i'm finding that the time is passing quicker outside so you know maybe i don't enjoy going outside every Morning for an hour in the winter, but, you know, I'm so engaged with my children because I've been right. setting out provocations and, you know, we've yeah. been investigating uh, different things in the yard and going out into the community. So mm-hmm. time goes by so much faster. You know, I'm yeah. not thinking about how cold I am. And, and again, commitment to being prepared ourselves so right. the onset we were seeing a lot of educators with you know everyday boots not not snow boots right. you know not bringing snow pants not being prepared themselves for the weather and how that shifted mm-hmm. uh, since we've we've reprioritized the outdoors I, like that.
0: I did buy myself one of those like sleeping bag puffer coats oh this it's winter the best. because I knew I had to get outside with yeah. Mac and I was like I have to make this as easy on myself as possible found a great sale. There you go. Hit it up. There's
1: lots of, and especially if you look in the spring, you know, forward thinking again. For sure. um, There's lots of great sales. And yeah, like I would also be miserable, you know, outside in a a spring jacket and, you know, my regular, my regular boots. So setting yourself up for For success. success. Yeah, that's great advice. Mm -hmm.
0: And then kind of goes hand in hand (laughs) with outdoor play, but not necessarily is this element of like risky play. Yeah which is a huge topic. Yep. Risky play was all the rage. Yes. And I think folks are still um, struggling curious with, and curious about it and curious and yeah. still struggling with the idea of that
1: line between risky and dangerous. Absolutely. So we this was a huge conversation mm-hmm. when we started this and there's a lot of opinions about what do you call it or what is risky play? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have my own unique Per, or not unique but I have my own mm-hmm. perspective around it and yeah when we we started this project we did call it risky play yeah um the more we kind of sat with that the more we started you know reflecting on this is kind of seeping into more of a flavor of the month type of conversation right. you know yeah. or a t- you know topic of the month yeah um you know we're doing risky play where you know Risky play, again, quote unquote, you can't see me. (laughs) No one can see you, Jenny, (laughs) as you're doing those air quotes. No one can Um, see you. (laughs) Yeah, quote unquote, risky play, um, you know, has been happening for years. Like this is not a new concept. And so we did stop calling it Mm -hmm. risky play. And this is something that I, again, there's a lot of different opinions. There's a lot of great research around Mm -hmm. why you should call it risky play, why you shouldn't call it risky play. But my personal perspective is that when we call it risky play, we're making An assumption from an adult's perspective. So, you know, it's not my job as an adult to tell a child what's risky and what's not, Mm. or to label their play as risky or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we just call it play, uh, an outdoor play or outdoor learning, because even the same activity, you know, sometimes things like loose parts, obstacle courses are associated with risky play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, for one child, that might not, that might be a boring activity or something that they can easily do that would not be Again, seen as adventurous or risky or challenging right. at all. Whereas, you know, another child, it might be way far out of their realm of comfortability and mm-hmm. um, leaning on more of that that dangerous or uh, risk in a negative sense mm-hmm. type of way. So, I I personally like to not label things yep. or, or not like to use the word That's, risk. I like that. Um, but I mean, it's it is a reality that is it's a popular it is topic it and has a popular yeah. label for a lot of professional development. So. What is really important to understand about when you are incorporating elements of risk or categories of risk into early learning centers is is that you have a strong kind of sense of risk benefit assessment. So what I mean by that is looking at, you know, what is a risk versus what's a hazard? So kind okay. of what you're saying the danger, about the a danger. Yeah. yeah. Really have to know your children to, and know your group and know your setting to really make that decision. As an educator, you know, for example, climbing a tree that, again, could be a developmentally appropriate activity for particular children, for particular environments. So say I had a, a tree in my backyard that had low limbs, was surrounded by grass, and, you know, my six-year-old neighbor, neighbor who always climbs it comfortably can engage in that activity. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if I have a tree in a parking lot surrounded by concrete right. and I'm throwing an infant up there, you know, that would, <laughs> so it's, it's hard to label activities as risky or not, yeah. or as hazardous or not. You yeah. really have to look at the big picture. You know, risk should come through the eyes of the child. Yeah. So climbing on a stump could be seen as a more adventurous or challenging activity, whereas for another child, it might not. Might not so yeah. yeah, it's really in the eye of the beholder. Uh, and up to them, and and we learn that through conversations, through yep. observations, through you know our documentation. Well, I even remember having conversations with
0: educators, specifically infant educators, where um, having a glass jar in their program was like too big of a risk yep. for them. Whereas other educators with other children. That was a regular thing. You learn a lot from the texture of glass.
1: And bare feet is another uh, example like that. You know, some people that's way out of their comfort zone Um, and a lot of speculation around, oh, the ministry wouldn't let us do that. And, you know, in fact, that's not true. You know, the ministry supports policies. So whatever policy um,
0: your organization organization has
1: has is what they're going to hold you accountable to. So, yeah, bare feet is always a, a big one that, you know, some people are comfortable with, some people are not. Yeah, And from my standpoint as a trainer, as a curriculum developer, it's not for me to say you have to do this activity. You have to do this. It's all about following the lead of the child, taking baby steps. You don't want to push yourself. And I think too, it calls into our own
0: reflection as educators, the idea of viewing children as capable, competent, curious, rich in potential, as we know from How Does Learning Happen, is if we believe that children are capable and competent to engage with materials that um, previously we may not have, like yeah. glass, yeah. like climbing a tree or a stump. What does that say of our view of the children? And what is the children's view of themselves saying? Right. Say?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we always like to ask that too. You know, if you want, if you view children as capable and competent, what are you doing every single day that that shows them or provides them the opportunity to develop that or to yeah. showcase that or to embody that mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to the voice of the child. It's not up us uh, up, up to, to us to yeah. determine. Yeah. Um, you know, they are the leaders in their own learning and their own inquiry and investigation. Mm-hmm. So how are we supporting them, but following their lead? Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. And it's interesting the shift because I think as these topics like risky play come up, everyone jumps on board. And it's like, great, I'm going to mm-hmm. let the children climb trees and jump exactly. off a climber and yeah. climb up the slide and all the things. And... It's it that we need to find that pendulum coming back to the middle a little
1: bit, yeah. And I think that's why when you say, okay, we're not looking at risky versus not, yeah, we're following the leads of the child. We know because we work with our children every day, we know their strengths, Mm -hmm. we know, you know, what might they might be interested in, what they might, you know, be more hesitant about, what I can support them in,
0: yeah.
1: And because it's not a one size fits all, no, well, and it comes back to remember like many years ago we presented at winter
0: rethink vaguely (laughs) very vaguely we were asked to talk about outdoor play and risky play um that year was like going out on a limb or something like that was the was the winter rethink kind of catch phrase i guess and we looked at it as circumstances and groups of children are unique we looked Uh at it of how children get to school across the world right And we looked at, I think it was a documentary and something like that. And we kind of shared that it's so dependent. It's so dependent on the group of children, their circumstances, community, community, culture, all those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true in every single program here in in London Middlesex is your group of children right now will be very different than your group of children one year from now. And therefore, the same things won't apply.
1: Yeah. And like, that's so true for so many topics within outdoor play. And again, within kind of the categories of, of risk. Um, so Ellen Sandsetter is a phenomenal researcher out of Norway who has, has created some categories around risky play. And one of them is rough and tumble play. Mm. And so we're thinking about educators that just kind of want to suddenly embrace outdoor play or risky play. And they think, okay, I'll let my children wrestle around. But, you know, that's a perfect example of knowing your children, you know, mm-hmm. knowing what's the difference between a game of tag that's, you know, where children might be in close proximity or have hands on each other, mm-hmm. but in a positive way versus aggression. Right. And really being able to navigate that because that can change in a second. You yeah. know, one child gets touched in a way that they're not consenting yep. to or that they are not necessarily comfortable with. And then it switches into aggression. And we have to be able to, as as role models and leaders, uh, support that. Yeah. So it's a it's a very important conversations and mm-hmm. reflections to have as an educator again like we're committed to lifelong learning yep. but it's not something that can be solved in a one day professional development for sure and that's something even though again this this research grant that we've worked on has started with uh, a training yep. it's really about what the mentorship and the the support that happens beyond that training you know the we ongoing we reflection. only learn I can't remember what the statistic is, but 10 to 20 percent of what we hear in professional development. So it's, you know, what happens beyond that session in in your practice, what's in conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And And I think that's really important. And I think that's why the outdoor play um, community of practice is so great. Absolutely. Every single month, educators are gathering to talk about this and continue the conversation. Exactly. Because you're
1: right, it can't be solved in a... No. Well, and like you said, like, your group changes constantly, you know, children, one, one child being added or removed can change a whole group dynamic. For sure. So it's really, and, and with the different seasons, you know, you have to approach the environments in different ways sometimes. Yeah. It's really a constant ongoing reflection that is just embedded into your daily work. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll take Mac outside. (laughs) (laughs) You've
0: inspired me. Yeah. one thing. And this is it too. Like, hopefully these conversations will continue on the podcast and Mm -hmm. we can continue to revisit what that looks like
1: um, on an ongoing basis. There's so many, again, different topics within just, you know, getting outside is the first step. You know, if that's the one thing that you change about your practice is going outside for 10 more minutes. And your own mindset. Yeah. We actually just sent out a a notification. We have an app that we communicate to families with. um, And we just sent out a a blurb, and it was on a cold weather alert day Mm -hmm. because cold weather alert day goes out and everyone assumes, oh, we can't go outside or inside day. And, uh, you know, we even said, even if you get out for 10 minutes, you know, children are staying in routine, learning, you know, how to get dressed for appropriate weather, learning about resiliency, uh, you know, navigating different types of temperatures. Like, even if it's just 10 minutes, then that... Mm -hmm you know, is a, is a step for sure. So it's it, it doesn't have to be this massive shift in your practice. If you start small, mm-hmm. then you're doing something different. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah,
0: Awesome. Okay, you want to play a game? Uh, sure. It's just a rapid fire game. Okay. Of some just Uh-oh. to get to know you a little better. <laughs> so you can um, just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Or you can explain it if you want, but you don't have to. Okay. Okay. So favorite children's book?
1: Ooh, I'm trying to like look around. Look around. <laughs> um, actually, my personal favorite children's book is probably The Giving Tree, which I know is like a classic. Yeah. But I really like the Sandra Boyan Boyan. Yes. Ones for reading with my daughter, yes. she yes. finds those ones really funny. But yeah.
0: Moo ba la 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 is one yeah. of our favorites yeah, right exactly. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're
1: a parent, you know exactly yeah. which books <laughs> I'm talking <Yep>. about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my personal favorite is probably good old Give- classic Giving Tree. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, favorite age group to work with. Hmm. If you were told you had to go work in a childcare center. So it has to be child care. I know you're a school age girl.
1: <laughs> well, and I was gonna say I because I teach at Fanshawe, I yep. have and now work in adult education. I love adult learners, but kid children. I, if I had group. to pick children, my daughter is a preschooler right now, and I would never choose that. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I don't love children, preschool age children, but I get enough of that at home. But I, toddlers is such a fun age.
0: Okay, so everyone is saying toddlers
1: lately. Oh, really? I have a toddler, and I wouldn't work with toddlers. And I probably would choose that also if, if my daughter was yeah. in the toddler stage. But they just are, like, starting to get more personality. They got that yep. little toddler-tude. Yep. Again, I bless every single educator oh that works gosh, with I all know. age groups. I could not have more respect and value for the ones specifically that work with my child. <laughs> Me but, too. Yeah, yeah. just uh, they yeah. are
0: saints. Absolutely, they are. Yeah. Uh, favorite professional learning you've ever attended?
1: Oh, these are these are not i did send this
0: to you in advance just fyi
1: it's your fault you didn't prepare um (laughs) professional development well thinking about outdoor play dr beverly deets is um, a phenomenal speaker about all things related so if anyone is Mm. looking she does regular workshops she has a ton of great workshops related to different elements of outdoor play she talks about a lot of inquiry-based learning, mm. a lot of, you know, different elements looking at, you know, sites or environment setup, mm-hmm. space and place. That's the one that's okay. coming to mind That's good right now, but I got to shout out our outdoor play committee because yes. that is, has a special place in my heart. So, yeah. and would be considered professional learning. Absolutely so, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll say that.
0: Okay. Favorite ice cream flavor?
1: Ooh, uh, probably mint chocolate chip or bubblegum bubblegum yeah you're a kid at heart and like the one like the old school one with like the chunks of bubble in it. Gum like in it, it? i don't yeah. want just bubblegum flavor like it has to have the chunks Chunk. yeah oh no i changed my answer oh, um. um super kid super kid super kid she's pregnant remember Yeah, that, folks that was a huge craving of mine the first time i haven't actually had it the second time but definitely laura secord super kid oh yeah favorite for sure good yeah. one okay and your favorite podcast other than this <laughs> new exciting <laughs> the, what one is this one called again <laughs> Um, Honestly, I listen to a lot. I haven't recently, but I go through phases with Mm -hmm. podcasts. Like sometimes I'm like, ooh, I'm really into like crime these days or professional learning or, but the one I consistently listen to every day is boring, but it's um, The Daily by The New York Times. I just, I'm so busy. I don't watch the news anymore. And I feel like that gives me a little snippet of what's happening in the world without solely relying on social media. Yeah, fair, (laughs) fair. So... (laughs) Good one. Yeah, not a great answer, but... No, that's good. Okay. That's a great answer. All answers are great. There's no wrong answer. Okay. (laughs) Good. I wish I had some more knowledgeable podcasts or or hidden ones. It's a pretty popular one, but... Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. And some people might not know about it. That's true. there you go. You can get your Daily Dose of News. (laughs) We'll link it in (laughs) the description. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the New York Times really needs your... Definitely. My promotion. needs your
0: promotion. (laughs) (laughs) On our little new baby podcast, (laughs) they need to be promoted. (laughs) Who knows? Oh, well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. We wish you all the best with this new babe. Can't wait to meet him or her.
1: Like I said, you can, we can do this again in a couple months and I can talk about all the struggles of getting a newborn outside. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, there
0: you go. As long as I get to hold the baby the whole time.
1: Yeah. I'll be saying, even if you get up for five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Screw the 10. We're yeah. for five. The transition from the house to the car counts.
0: That does. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you and wish you all the best and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Hello. This is Allie coming to you from... Uh, The future, well, the future ahead of when Jenny and I recorded this episode, I wanted to just update um, that since recording this episode, uh, Jenny has welcomed a beautiful baby boy into her family. Uh, Casey is well, well loved by his big sister and uh, Jenny and Pierce. So congratulations to the Brit family. We are so happy for you. And we are so excited to continue to watch your family grow. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Pod, or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.